Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me, Sean Phelan. On our podcast, we chat to the great and the good of the grassroots rugby game, and today is no different. I chat to the team from Hinkley RFC, where we talk about the National Leagues, their brilliant and innovative way they have been engaging their players of all ages, as well as chatting about the future of the club. But first, Rugby Store are once again supporting our show, and they have everything you need to support your team during this Six Nations. Head to rugbystore.co.uk and get all of your stash ready for the championship, which begins on February the 6th. And if you use the promo code FYBPOD, you can save yourself 10% off anything at rugbystore.co.uk. Just visit rugbystore.co.uk and use our promo code FYBPOD. Now, let's get to my chat with the team at Hinkley RFC. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to this week's edition of the Philly Roots Rugby Round Table. My name is Tom Phelan, uh, thank you all for watching again. Um, today we have got Hinkley uh, RFC uh, and we're going to tell you a little bit about, about what they do uh, at their club and uh, what the future looks like uh, and hopefully uh, won't be too long for that future to sort of come about. So um, Ross, uh, introduce yourself and uh, we'll go around the table. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do within the club. Uh, yeah, hi Sean. So I've I've played for Inkley all my life. I retired in 2014. Um, spent two years being an Alakadu there afterwards, uh, and then more recently I've, I've I've had the privilege, should we say, to join the committee. And I I joined the committee this year just as as, as COVID struck. So it's been hell of a, a baptism of fire. Um, <laughs> I kind of support the more the commercial and sponsorship side. So understanding how we keep it community-based, but also keeping the, the money coming in to run the club, which has been pretty much a challenge, an unprecedented challenge this year. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, apart from that, family man and, and enjoy the odd beer or two at the club when it's open. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the panel. Neil, nice to meet you, sir. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name's uh, Neil Parkinson. I'm Vice Chairman of Inkley Rugby Club, um, still playing in the Vets, two kids playing in the Mini Juniors as well. Um, yeah, that's about me really, Vice Chairman of the club. Um looked into things like this, so. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Chris, Chris, you're the one that pulled uh, this team together uh, for this chat. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I did. So yes, I'm uh, I'm head coach uh, of the club. Uh, been involved at Hinkley since uh, 2012, um, and I'm also club's resident stats guru, um, spreadsheet organizer, and any <laughs> other job that that requires some sort of computer organization to take place. <laughs> A very important job, the, the spreadsheet manager. Yes, exactly. Nice to meet you. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Uh, and Scott, nice to meet you, sir. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, good afternoon. Um, Scott Hamilton, I'm director of rugby at Hinkley. Um, this was going to be my second year, um, but obviously things have uh, not got off the ground. So um, I'm looking forward to next year, obviously. Um, I, was, I, was, uh, I played at Hinkley. Um, for, well, I still sort of do technically when we're short. Um, uh, and then got into more of a, a coaching role and now director of rugby. So it's been a bit of a yeah, progression. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, and finally, Liz, uh, welcome to the round table. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your role. Hi, um, I'm Liz Corson. I'm the age grade chair down at Hinkley, which basically means. Any child playing rugby down at Hinkley Rugby Club, I'm responsible for. And when you've got 250 plus kids to try and um, get playing rugby, it is definitely a challenge and a half. Um, I've been down the club for 10 years, I would say. So my eldest is was 15 in September, so he started when he was five down there. Couldn't stand on the sidelines doing nothing. That's not my nature at all. So became like a team manager and then uh, ended up um, being the age grade chair for, for the club. So, uh, yeah, it's a, been this last year has been um, interesting, shall we say. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, so, Neil, uh, tell us a little bit about Hinkley. Um, how many sides do you run? Uh, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, we uh, presently run three senior teams and our vets in the Vets Cup, uh, Leicestershire Vets Cup. Uh, we've got um, juniors all the way from sixes all the way through to Colts level. Um, we've got a ladies section and girls section. Um, we have touch rugby going on and our latest addition is our walking rugby, which is uh, um, going from strength to strength. Um, we've got um, we run twice a week with that, so yeah, that's good. Um, we've been we're down on Leicester Road on the A forty seven. We've got uh, three, uh, sorry, four full size pitches, uh, training area type thing, and also what we call our festival area, which is roughly the size of a pitch, but not quite marked out or anything like that. So um, we've got really good facilities. Excellent clubhouse, um, can sit 300 down in for dinners, etc. when we can, obviously. Um, so, yeah, no, we've we're, we're, we're got good facilities um, and we're always trying to improve them if we can. Sounds great. Um, where, sorry, whereabouts was Hinkley? Did you say Leicester? Leicester, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, okay, uh, so Scott and Chris, tell us a little bit about the the, the playing structure and uh, how many players have you got and uh, what sort of leagues do you play in? Scott, you're on mute. Yes, the quote. Should have learned one now. Um, <laughs> our first team plays in uh, well, National Two North. Um, which may well change, obviously, next season with all the restructures that are going on. Um, the year before I joined, they got promoted into National 2 North. So, um, first of all, I suppose we consolidated there and we've um, we've sort of traditionally been mid-table in that, but the la in that in that league. But the last couple of years, we've done quite well. We finished third before um, uh, COVID hit um, last time round. So, 
sort of trending in the right direction. Um, obviously, we have a second team and a third team. Um, our second and, and team and first team train together on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so we have quite good numbers at training. Um, you know, certainly in pre-season, we can have close to seven the 50s, late, late 50s. Chris will be able to tell you, he's got all the stats. Um, and then, obviously, third team is a bit more social. They uh, have a bit of a, a touch game and sort of probably look after themselves a little bit more because that's, you know, that's where they want to be, just in a more of a social setting, where there is, um, I think that's one of the attractions of that took me to Hinkley as well, is that there is no sort of, well, we're well. We try and minimise the first and second team divide. You know, as I say, we all train together. Um, when we're having socials and stuff like that, we're trying to make sure that, um, you know, the whole club's involved. So, yeah, Chris, Chris will tell you exactly sort of where we are in, in terms of uh, numbers. Yeah, we've, we've done a really good job, I think, as a, as a club as a whole, um, of, of bucking the trend of a falling participation within within the adult game. Um when we were lining up um, our initial starter season fixtures, um, when we thought the season would start too close to to normalish, um, we, we were penciling together two sides to maybe play against each other with players still left over in the first and second team squad, which is which is tremendous. I don't think you'd find many other clubs who are able to to do that at the moment, which then trickles down to to the hunters to the third team. Um, helps to bolster the numbers there because because those sides continue to be absolutely crucial. You can't underestimate the role that that, that top team below the first and second team squad plays in the um, in the long term development of the club. But yeah, we were up until when did we first stop? So when we kind of stopped training um, when the second lockdown came in at the start of November, I think we've been averaging fifty two players to to training sessions. Um, all the way through from the from the start of July, and that's bearing in mind we had players who obviously were isolating. We had players who couldn't travel, um, and even in in December um, when we tra started training again, and uh, twenty of our squad members couldn't turn up, we were still getting close to thirty guys turning down to that. So, so we're we're a really strong strong spot from a, from a player base. How, how do you go about recruiting players? Um, so that's sort of generally my role as well, but um, it's it's everyone's LinkedIn. I usually do it word of mouth, to be honest. We get it out there. Um, I don't yeah. try to deal with too many agents and things like that. So, But it's just, you know, we've got such a big network of players and a lot of our players know players from clubs and, and you know, people know you play against different players each year and, and word gets around. Um, Chris is also... Um, he coached at Leicestershire uh, last season, so that's quite helpful. So he's got um, a bit of a link into clubs as well. So, um, yeah, yeah we, we try and keep it as informal. I try and keep it as probably informal as possible. Um, that's generally how we do it. So if you're a new uh, a new player down at, uh, come down to Hinkley, uh, tell us a little bit about the experience that they might get, uh, Ross. Depends on which day you turn up. If you turn up on a Tuesday or a Thursday, obviously at the minute there's going to be nothing happening. Uh, but usual Tuesday, Thursday, as Chris said, it's big training sessions, big squad numbers. Um, we do have uh, a kind of high standard of first team rugby, but there is a, a strong a strong social culture, seconds, thirds and vets. Um, and that kind of blends into training too. And the Chris and Scott manage that accordingly. They've got a good coaching staff. Um, so you'll you'll get put in the right pot 
um, so as to not be the not be not be the bag man, but also not be not be hurting yourself in training. And then if you turn up on a Saturday and play a game, you'll see see probably outside of maybe probably Tigers or something, one of the best full day spectacles of rugby from pre-game luncheons. Kind of argue mentioned it. We we our home games uh, are probably a bit of a thing of legacy. We get three hundred plus sat down for a full full serve roast dinner, uh, and that's the lifeblood of the club. So if, if if you're injured and the injury the injured list does grow and grow, if it's a wet wet cold day on the pitch, there's a lot of people that are injured. You'll see a lot of people sat down to dinner. Sponsors, local businesses, youth sections, mini and junior sections. It, it is a hive of activity. Um, we've been lucky enough to get some famous people through the door when we were in the new club. Argue, what year was it? Eddie Jones came down. Uh, that was 2016, September 2016. Yeah, September 2016. We're fortunate enough being in Leicestershire and kind of the heritage of Tigers. We get we get to call on some famous names. We managed to get Eddie Jones come down to help open open the club, and yeah, he was pretty blown away by it. And we've, we, that's that's the lifeblood of really what what kind of Hinkley is. It's the combination of kind of high performance rugby social aspect and with that kind of community engagement so it depends which day you come down probably more often than not you'll you'll find nice cold beer served though <laughs> sounds good I'll, uh, I'll be down as soon as rugby can uh, can start uh let uh, just um touched on it but how liz how does the the club engage with the local community especially at sort of the, the age grade uh, which you look after so um Obviously, we we draw on our uh, kids from schools across across the area and um, across from across the border as well. Into because we're so close to the A5 and uh, Warwickshire, we have some people sort of uh, get their passports and cross over and, and come and join us over at Hinkley. So uh, a lot of word gets round at what we can deliver at Hinkley. Um, we're really proud of the. 50 plus coaches that we have in our mini junior section that have done that all their um, rugby qualifications to deliver really high quality rugby to the kids and make sure that the experience they have is an absolutely fun experience as well. Um, even on a cold, wet day, you can still see smiles on faces. And just before the Christmas break, we had some very innovative um, games being played um, by our younger ones. So there's a game called Rob the Nest, which is used quite a lot in mini rugby. And it was Rob the Carrots. So on our main <laughs> first pitch, um, there was a nest of carrots and the kids had to steal the carrots from the centre of the centre of the first team pitch. Um, I'm just hoping that they've all been cleared away before we have too much bad weather. Otherwise, the first team pitch will just be a field of carrots next season. So uh it's a really good, fun, really committed team of volunteers, making sure the kids have a great uh, rugby experience at Hinkley. Brilliant, brilliant. Sounds amazing. Um, so, uh, Ross, I want to ask you, so on, as you mentioned, you, you sort of uh, help out with the commercial aspects of the club. Uh, how was lockdown for the club? Uh, anything adversely affected? Uh, revenues or, or things like that? Yeah, I think local clubs up and down the country have got that commonality. What, what we're realising now is is that the club, well, not realising now, the club is built around having people in it. We, we can do a lot distanced uh, and we have done a hell of a lot distanced, but without people 
playing rugby, kind of eating together, drinking together. It just isn't a rugby club. So whatever you try and do, kind of please the people's better natures and, and at best kind of exhausts people's kind of input. And where we're at now, we're kind of getting to that kind of fatigue stage that we've tried everything, but we've we've put a hell of an effort in. We started off kind of going into the first lockdown. We, we the um, Sport England leverage crowdfunder, uh, we managed to pull in £25,000. Um, we cycle, We did a virtual cycle ride over 48 hours to every club in National 2 South um, just to, to raise some funds. With the season being cut short, we normally use the kind of money at the back end of the season to make the repairs, pitch, pitch, road, changing room, showers. I mentioned we're famous for fair club dinners. I think we're also famous for our showers in National 2 South or, or their lack of. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which one it was. I think it made its way into Rugby World or something. Was it Chris? Which paper referenced which team? You it don't was one of the one of the Stourbridge players put yeah. our showers into their room one hundred and one, which which I took some pride of, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty rich, pretty rich coming from Stourbridge. Didn't didn't we get SARS when we went to their place from the? After the game, so it's pretty ironic. <laughs> But yeah, it's, we've 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 leveraged crowdfunder. Um, we've opened a, a cafe in one of the old spaces that we have. So where we couldn't serve dinners, we were doing Sunday takeaways to the local community, and we ran a cafe in between lockdowns. And what we could do, we ran a kind of dropping cafe service. Um, we've started with a, a mini. It's called the Hornet Draw. So every every month, all members pay kind of small small little ticket to join the the Hornet Draw. Um, and they have the benefit of watching me try and draw virtual numbers out of hat every month. Uh, it's going to be done this Saturday. It's actually going to, we're going to give away a thousand pounds. But over the period of lockdown, I think we've given away close to eight or nine thousand pounds back to the back to, back to the club members um, through fundraising. So we've done a lot really, and it's been built on volunteers. Um, but we are kind of getting to that stage now where it is just fatigue setting in. The, if you can't get back to a club and play, there's only only so much else you can do. Yeah, hundred percent. There's not much you can do. Uh, Neil, uh, tell us a little. You know, uh, anything you want to expand on that? The the volunteers and uh, everyone that's put in the hard work over the last few months to get something, keep the club going. Yeah, I mean the, the club does um, does rely a lot on volunteers and tradesmen um, giving their times up um, free. Um, our chairman's very good at. Uh, uh, conning local tradesmen down there to uh, give up their time. Um, so yeah, we we we, we was down there um, last week out of the weekend before um, uh, cleaning up, putting new uh, gravel down, and all sorts of things. So it's it's a never ending job down there, volunteers, um, and they all do a great job as well as obviously the coaches, volunteers, and things like that. Um, but yeah, we wouldn't survive. Um, without the volunteers doing the little jobs, doing the maintenance, um, you know, supporting the players. And we, we are a very good club in that respect. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we put in a lot of time. The place does look nice. And we, we, we have to, and probably not on, we, we have weddings in the clubhouse. So we do have to, we do have to make it look nice. They have to look nice. Obviously, we want to make it look good for our members as well. So, um, yeah, no, we're, we're very good for volunteers. Um, respect. 
Definitely, definitely. Back, 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 back to the playing rugby, uh, Chris and Scott uh, and Liz. Um, we've asked a, a few clubs this uh, as, as I've been recording these, um, especially at the start of lockdown, that uh, they were worried about um, players not returning because of the pandemic. And, and either either they've just come to the end of their rugby cycle or um, you know, they have fears or, or anything about you know, catching anything or whatever. Uh, have Has there been anything from any sort of playing members that uh, might suggest that they're not going to play again? From, from from a senior perspective, not really. I mean, and this is where it comes back to um, trying to provide a, an experience which is appropriate for the for the members you've got and the mindset of the members at the time. And we've had to go undergo in the last six months quite a radical shift. You know, we were we finished the season third in third in national two. We were potentially pushing on for a promotion spot last year. Um, even when we started training in July, we were thinking, all right, well, we're going to be slightly delayed, but we'll probably be playing by October, November. So you were kind of starting a normal pre-season. But when it became clear that was an option, we just had to undertake quite a significant mind shift, mindset shift where we focused on, on participation, we focused on engagement, we focused on enjoyment, and we focused on putting an offering in place which was appropriate to those, to where the players were. So, so yeah, we've had, we've had a group of players who have wanted to keep engaging but have been nervous about doing so, whether it be because uh, they're, they're self-employed, um, whether it be because they had partners who were who were expecting children and a whole variety of other of other reasons, elderly relatives, they live with them, whatnot. So that's where it comes back to making sure that we've been running sessions through using the whole varieties of um, ready for rugby touch touch competitions, ensuring we're adhering to all the appropriate guidelines, ensure that we're putting we're not pressuring people to attend when they might not necessarily feel comfortable doing so. All of that stuff has, I think, helped us retain the vast majority. And to be honest with you, when, whenever we start playing again, um, which, and, and let's face it, that's probably now looking much more like September, if we're being really honest about it. The only, the only players who I would be worried about losing would might be those who have started picking up additional work and additional income um, at weekends. And, and, you can't, and you can't begrudge anybody that, um, you know, because everyone's got to make a living. So... So I think from a playing point of view, I think we're as strong as it's possible for us to be at this point, if I'm really honest with you. Uh, uh, so same question to you, Liz. Um, from a from an age grade perspective, ha have you had any sort of inclination from, from people that they might not return? Um, we've been incredibly lucky, I think, really. Um, I don't think anybody thought we'd start the season as normal in September when we did sure, yeah. and we had the numbers we've had new people join us from other clubs um, so everybody's thrown their hats in the ring put their hands in their pockets and paid up their subs and everything else like that to want to come down and join in as much as they can our parents have been amazingly um, tolerant of the sort of stop go scenarios that we've been having to deal with as we've moved through the um, rugby roadmap of what we can and can't do. Um, we took a decision before Christmas to, although we could play external clubs, we decided no, let's let's protect our rugby family and keep it in house, shall we say? Um, so we've been really lucky that people have still remained committed to coming down to the club, 
we could have lost so many to other sports who had taken a different tact. Um, and it's it's a constant challenge with rugby um, in losing kids to to the other the other shaped ball, shall we say? Um, so okay. that's a constant challenge. But because of what we offer the kids, and even the use of social media, our coaches did a great thing of sort of giving them challenges when we've been in lockdown, so the kids could still engage with their teammates. Um, I've had coaches when we were allowed to go out and delivering prizes to the, the best number of catches or number of throws and things like that. So we've, we've used lots of different ways to keep engaged with everybody through the entire process. And we came up with a bit of a blinder. Now, I can't remember whose idea it was. And it was absolutely wicked and engaged the, the whole club was a, an inter-house competition which we divided the entire club into four. Um, spreadsheet champion, Mr. Campbell, <laughs> formulated a, a schedule of um, games to be played and scores, scores on the doors and everything else like that. But that really boosted things, actually, when we did that. I think that must have been October, end of October, I think it was, we did that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, last 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 weekend of October, and then we did the challenge uh, that we did the running challenge in the third week of November, I think, to add to it. Yeah, so tell so us we, a little bit about that. Tell us about. Go on, Chris. Uh, so, so yeah, it was uh, like Liz. I, I I think it was one of those ideas which developed organically through lots of conversations, uh, through lots of conversations with people. Um, so, so yeah, we split the whole club up into these four houses, and then they played uh, ready, uh, ready for rugby competitions or fixtures um, within the appropriate age groups um, within that, um, which is uh, which is created no rule league table. Um, and the initial plan was to run three rounds worth of that. So one at the end of October, one in November, one in December. Um, of course, we never got any further than round one at this point. Um, but uh, that that was the first time in, in any club I've ever been involved in where you had the whole club from from the littlest members up to the oldest members, walking rugby, ladies, touch, everything included in one competition. And then we extended that in into in November when we weren't able obviously to do any rugby, uh, to do a to do a running a, a running challenge, which to be honest, we kind of just came up with as well. Let's uh, let let let's stick this in. Let's see if a few people do it, do a few miles and they score points for their houses. Um and it, and it went it went crazy. We had about three hundred different people submit submit scores to that, yeah, um, to the point where to the point where we were worrying about whether the running would overtake the rugby in terms of the importance of this competition. So, <laughs> but it shows it, what what we were doing doesn't really matter. It shows that people were engaged with what we were doing, and we were just doing anything we could to keep the rugby club at the front of their at the front of their mind. Sounds amazing. What a great yeah. idea. <laughs> What a superb idea! Uh, so uh, I guess also Neil, the same question to you about about um, players not returning uh, or players decided to retire. As a member of sort of the vets, do you see that vets rugby can can survive this? No, I, I, well, yeah, I think it can survive, and it will survive. Sorry, um, obviously myself, I'm getting a bit closer to not being able to play, so I, I need as many. Is as I can, and this one's uh, 
this was promising to be my big season this year and uh <laughs> get away from it. um so um no in fact the old the older lot are chomping at the bits to get back to be honest um we will all be back um and we'll be having fun again and, and we have some virtual beers now and uh, we we ran our own little competition as well within the within the hunters we had to put in a uh, a drinking competition though via zoom so that, uh, that went well i gained a point for the team so there you go <laughs> ross didn't Mason, to add ross didn't do it so i did running neil i did running <laughs> you didn't even run the bath <laughs> <laughs> I'm pint in three seconds, though, Roscoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Scott. Um, so obviously the season is, is is curtailed now. What what do you expect from from twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two for from a first team perspective? Um, well, firstly, we need to make sure that we're we'll be able to do what we want to be able to do in in, in sort of July August pre season. You know, ideally we can get back to that and just start start again, start afresh. I know the guys are, I know the guys are keen to play, but I think the guys are, you know, you don't realise what the social element is on Thursday as well. Even though it's cold and it's zero and it's wet, you know, having a shower and then having a beer in the club rooms afterwards, you don't know how realise how much you miss it and how good it is for the soul, really, just hanging out with your mates. And um, and I think that's that's. Firstly, I suppose it's been quite a good thing because that's what you, you you sort of sometimes take that for granted. Um, and I know myself and I know a lot of the guys that I've spoken to and, and coaches as well that, you know, really missing a bit of that camaraderie and also just the competitiveness of playing with your mates and trying to get one over who's who you're up against on the weekend and just the competitive nature. And I know that I've missed that. I've had, you know, the competitive pretty much a, a game on Saturday through winter for the last sort of 30 years and to look forward to and, and not having that it's, um, it leaves a bit of a hole in your life um, so ideally we just we're getting back to normal but I think more pressing is what we're going to do um, for the rest of well for the rest of the season or start of the, this next year so we get, we've got a call with the coaches on Monday to as, as Chris said to work out what we're going to do with the engagement process how we how we're going to train what we're going to do because I don't think we we don't just want to park everything and, and look forward to next year. Um, we want, yeah, we need we need to just obviously <laughs> we'll be entertaining all ideas and trying to work out what what is the best way. We'll also engage with the players, see what they want to do. But um, yeah, we'll ideally we're just boxing on, try and retain all the players that we had signed up for this year, and um, just just pack our bags and hopefully bring on twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, Sean, there's a re there's a real challenge, Sean. I think for clubs like ours who who play at uh, National One and National Two at first team level, in, in in two areas. One is the fact that hosting rugby games costs money, and I'm not necessarily just talking about paying players here. I'm talking about opening the clubhouse, the work on the pitches, you know, the staff. Point. There's a lot of costs that go into it, um, which means that behind closed doors is not financially viable for anyone to run. But secondly. Because we're we're very fortunate, we play at a good level. Even if we could play behind those closed doors games, there's very few teams we'd be able to play 
So even when obviously Leicestershire has now moved into to tier four, but when we we're in tier three, that didn't really help us because we could basically play Leicester Lions and Loughborough students. That's it. Whereas the lower level clubs who are playing at level sixes and sevens have got the potential to viably run something because there's enough of those clubs around. Um, and that was that that's a that's a real headache for, for the clubs at level three and level four. And we're not that's not exclusive to, to Hinkley, that's all level three and level four clubs. But that's a real headache we're all gonna have to try and overcome before we can all get back to, to, to playing. So what in that case, what uh are you looking from from the national leagues or the RFU uh, to to help support you and support everybody else in the same situation? It, it's it's very hard, and to, and to be fair to both the uh, the RFU and, and, and the NCA National Clubs Association, who governs who govern level three and level four, I think they've done as good a job as they possibly could do. The biggest problem is 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 the travel regulations within the, the, the tiering system. Until clubs are allowed essentially free movement of travel um, within within the tiers national league rugby cannot get back off get can cannot get back off the ground it's as, it's as simple as that really so how does that i know uh, you're not necessarily playing in it but the national the national league cups that are, that are happening at some point does that with the travel uh, sort of restrictions stop that from happening i know i know it's not, it, it doesn't really affect you because I, I don't think you're playing in it but um but but for, for other clubs it would be this is their only opportunity to have some rugby mm -hmm. uh, and they well, might not get it well yeah if, if in the in the in the, in the, in the nca cup which we are entered into yeah as, okay. it, as, it's, as it stands um well we definitely can't now because we're all in tier four um oh, my daughter's going to say hello <laughs> <laughs> um in, in, in basically until we're at the point where either you're allowed to travel within tier three or we'll get moved down the tiers unfortunately that that competition just can't happen and we all want it to we're all desperate for it to um yeah. but the tiering system does mean it's it, it, it's very very challenging right now yeah, yeah. Well, hope, hopefully, hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel, as they keep saying. Yeah. Um, no, hopefully, hopefully you'll uh, you'll get some sort of rugby. If if, 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 if another question on that then, Chris. Sorry. Um, if uh, everything was you know, crystal ball, when everything was to have, be blown over in five weeks' time, it's not going to be. But in five weeks' time. And then in four or five weeks after that, they say, we're ready to go. We're ready to play this competition. How prepared can you be? Um, that's, a, that's, that, that's a great question. I mean, at the moment, we can't train. Um, and and so, we, we can't, so we can't train for as long as we're in tier four. We, could, we can probably get to the point of playing within, say, four or five weeks. But we've got to be very conscious of the fact our players have done no contact in nearly 12 months. Yeah. And that's going to take time to recondition their bodies. And this is this is this is this is tough stuff they're playing in. You know, this is you can't just drop back into them. I mean, Scott and Ross will be able to answer it better than I do, and I'll let them answer that because I've got <laughs> my daughter. <laughs> but, uh, I'll let you guys answer that side of things. I, I think um, dropping back in, as you say, playing because the new rules that they've got will be a lot more running because there's no scrums and. There'll be a lot more on feet activity, so that's probably going to mean a lot 
you know, potential for hamstrings and all that sort of stuff. And considering guys, you know, we're not allowed in gyms and, you know, I think, you know, some guys are not going to be in the same shape. And I'm not sure that, um, you know, there's going, to be going no, there's going to be no scrum, so there's going to be no issue with the shoulders and the necks or less issues with that. But there, there's going to be an increase in, in niggly, niggly injuries, I'm sure. But um, I think, like anything, if you give everyone a choice, they're going to want to play. Um, yeah. And But, you know, the, the championship's meant to be scheduled to kick off, I think, in the start of March. Um, you know, so that could be a goal for us to start at the same time and, and effectively halve the competition that what we were planning on doing. So instead of playing two rounds, we maybe play one um, and then we go from there. But yeah, like Chris said, I'm, I'm pretty sceptical because as long as, uh, as long as there are going to be areas in tier four, which probably will be for a while, um, you know, we're, it's going to be a struggle. I think we're going to be stuck with the option of playing uh, friendly games if we want to, which I think we may take up. Um, but I think we would only do that if if we're at a place that the club, you know, it's, it's got to be beneficial for the club and for the player. So, some, you know, if we can sell a few beers ideally and make a bit of money and, you know, even if it is socially distanced just or even break even just to get the members in. Um, we obviously don't want to be doing anything that's going to cost the club money because it's already, uh, we've already um, been through a pretty, pretty rough time. But that's where that's that that's where at the moment uh, there are a lot of clubs who a lot of sports clubs have done a really good job of moving themselves from just being your sports clubs to all the to, to, to small businesses in them to businesses in themselves, and and that's fantastic most of the time. Um, but that's when you look at someone like Ross, you know, from when he's trying to essentially sell the product across the board. At what point does it become? become viable for us to for us to run it because when it does become a business you, you are having to think more than just about 15 players running out on the pitch at three o'clock on a saturday yeah yeah it's, it's like chris said there are the level the level that we now play at and then many other clubs in that one that too it's a physical level lads are committing lads are committing their bodies to it um and therefore we as a club we have to provide physios we have probably one of the best physios had had a physio on team in it luckily that we've had for years but that's that that's a resource you have to pay so then the clubs start cutting back on okay well we can play a game of rugby but the lads aren't gonna have a physio they're gonna have a the stuff that me and neil had a bucket of sponge in, in the corner that's it's just gonna be detrimental all round um but for me i think i think the nca and the rfu need need to either crap or get off the pot if they want they can't just keep kicking it down. They either need to say, "Look, it's 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 mothballed, shut us down for everything below Premiership Championship until this date," or they say, "Look, we're going to put a cup on and the RFU open the coffers and they say, "Look, we're going to roll out rapid testing and get some sort of kind of confidence back in that you can do rapid testing for your 60 players on a game, 60 players and coaches on a game day to get that cup in." You can't have this constant middle ground. Like realistically, at the minute. I don't think anyone can that sat in a tier four. I mean, we we had this conversation this morning. We kind of around youth rugby can go back to training on Sunday, but we're in tier four. That to me, just seems such a classic message halfway down the middle between the RFU and the government. I just don't see how that that overlaps, and it's hard for everyone, certainly for a kind of grassroots rugby club that's run on volunteers. Businesses in the hospitality sector, there it's their business to try and make it work, and they're struggling. We're a bunch of volunteers that have day jobs and trying to digest that into a plan is just, it, it comes harder and harder. Yeah. 
it's a uh, it's, it's a tough period, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully by by the time September comes around, we might be in a better position. Yeah, and, uh, actually, we can allow people to back in our clubs, and and matches can happen because without it, you know, if we don't have it, we're going to lose it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so finally, then, uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, I will go around the table. I'll ask everyone this uh, for one hope uh, for for grassroots rugby or all the club um, and one fear uh, for the next you know, twelve month period. Uh, Ross, uh, you might we might as well start with you. Uh, yeah, give us give us your thoughts. Uh, so ju- just the hope is that a lot of clubs come out of it with with new ideas and new strengths that can either be shared or developed. Liz mentioned we've we've landed with this inter-house cup, uh, inter-house thing now where any new member gets put in one of the four houses, very much Harry Potter style, um, but we're going to carry that on. And we wouldn't, have, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have got to that point. And it's, it will help down the line when our age groups are struggling for fixtures, they can coaches speak to coaches. So I, I just hope that that ingenuity that other clubs will be doing their, their own things um can 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 carry on and it doesn't just get left by the wayside and then fear is for the love of god i hope that scrums and malls aren't permanently abolished i've got a, got a sneaky feeling people like chris campbell and co will be lobbying hard to get scrums and malls removed from the the premier game and that will never never happen i will mate chris loves them <laughs> Neil, we'll come to you. Um, give us uh, your hopes and fears for, for the next 12 months. Um, well, I sort of, well, obviously, I hope everybody's staying safe and, and, and looking after themselves. Um, but, yeah, no, I think um, if we can if we can keep the numbers we've got um, and, and bring the numbers up a little bit, then I think it, it, we'll look for it in a fight both in the financial way and also um, in playing side. Um, the fear I have is that this goes on longer than, than we all think. Oh, we did do one run. We did um, I think this is here to stay. And like I say, without a scrum, I'm knackered. So, um, <laughs> you and me both. And the driving mall, that's the, the main thing. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, thank you, Neil. Uh, and Chris, I mean, the the the, the hope is, is is the same as everyone is that we're we're back out on the field. We've got we've got people playing, but more importantly than that, we're playing at we're playing at Leicester Road in front of close to a thousand people, which is what we get for the big games. Um, and it's a proper and it's a proper feel to that that Saturday afternoon, which which everybody which everybody is missing. Um, you know, we've we've it's been coming up. It's been nine months now, I think, since we had we had the first team fixture. So that's ultimately what we what we want to get back to. In in terms of fears, actually, my only fears are start to come in now. Is if we were looking at not being able to start playing in September, because actually, as a club, we, we've talked about a lot of the great things we've done. I'm really confident our player base will hold strong. Um, as long as we start going in September, it's only if that were to not happen um, that I would really start to worry about worry about the future. But you know what? Even then, I'd still back us as a club to be ahead of the vast majority um, of others because of, of the people that we've got involved. Because oh, that's what a rugby club is, isn't it? It's not. You know, we've got we've got really good facilities, but that's great. But it's it's the people who do who do the stuff that make a rugby club and, and keep the whole ship running. 
I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, thank you for that, Scott. Yeah, I mean, probably echoing what I said before. I was hoping to get back to, back to normal, back to sharing a clubhouse with with your mates and the club members, and and um, and then obviously doing you know all the stuff that comes along with rugby. It's not just playing rugby; it's everything that comes. And that's why we all picked it up. You know, that's why I picked up a ball when I was five. So um, you know, nothing's changed. Obviously, we've you know we've got stuff to do on the field, and we've got you know games to win, etc. But the whole feel of the club. Is, is again what attracted me to Hinkley in the first place. So that's what I'm hoping for. And also hoping that no clubs, um, you know, have to have to close down or or whatever, you know, or regress or, um, you know, every, every I hope that every rugby club can come out of this, whether that's with the help of other clubs or with the RFU or whatever. So um, my fear probably is, um, is probably the young players. Um, actually, I had a chat with the Leicester, Leicester Academy coach today. And, you know, he's got some kids that have been injured for a while and they haven't, they haven't played a game of rugby for two years because they've been injured and now they, you know, struggling. They've had, I think they've had one game that they've been able to play. And, you know, those are the lads that, you know, that are meant to be growing and and being nurtured and, and they're the ones that are, you know, probably, I mean, everyone's missing out, but they're the ones that are, you know, probably that, you know, us old fellas can uh, can crack on and play whenever and, um you know, more of the, the net, even our players, you know, we're all trying to grow them, but at the end of the day that we're at our level, but those, those next ones that are the cream of the crop across the country are just not getting a chance. And um, yeah, I feel for them. Definitely. Definitely. And finally, Liz, uh, thank you for that, Scott. Liz, uh, give us your uh, hopes and fears for the next 12 months. Um, I hope that we can manage to play some form of rugby and keep the kids playing rugby. We're in a really fortunate position in age grade, rightly or wrongly, that whatever tier we're in, kids are still able to play rugby. And that's really important for their physical and their mental health. When you see them back on the pitch and everything else like that, you know you're making a massive difference. Giving the parents some respite as well from kids who are like coiled springs. So I'm just hoping that we can keep trying to deliver some form of rugby. Um, until we can get back to whatever the new normal is. And my fear is when we do get back to the new new normal, whatever it is, as I say, is that the great British weather doesn't then scupper it completely. Because before we went before we went into this pandemic, we'd had like the worst winter of weather for oh, I don't know how many years down at the club. The pitches were really suffering and everything else like that. And then to have this, and you're like, please give give us a chance. Just give us a chance. Have some nice weather, so we can actually, when we can go back, we can crack on it and get the kids playing and back engaged in the game. Yeah, perfect. Uh, that's a perfect way to end. Uh, thank you all for joining us, uh, Chris. Give uh, let everyone know where they can find out more about Hinkley. Yeah, various uh, ver various forms. So, just Google Hinkley Rugby. We'll uh, we'll we'll take us to our website at Hink uh, at Hinkley underscore Rugby uh, on Twitter. Facebook page is Hinkley Rugby Club, and I don't do Instagram. So Ross will have to say what our Instagram page is. I don't I don't, I don't understand Instagram. So someone else will have to tell you that one. John and Ross. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's the rugby club on, on Instagram, but Facebook, Facebook. I mean, we've got a picture of a page, 
where you can get us or contact us through our Facebook page as well, which is at Hinkley. Brilliant. Well, look, uh, thank you for uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, Ross, Neil, Chris, Scott and Liz uh, from Hinkley Rugby Club. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for everyone that's been watching. Um, don't forget to visit rugbystore.co.uk. Use the promo code FYBPOD for 10% off. Anything, boots, shirts, kit, all sorts. Uh, so go and do that. Uh, yeah, once again, thanks guys for joining us, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see you down the road. Cheers. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Cheers. Thanks once again to Hinkley Rugby Club for joining me, and a huge thanks again to Rugby Store for supporting our show. Visit rugbystore.co.uk and use our promo code FYBPOD to save yourself 10%. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again to all of you for listening to the Philly Roots Rugby Roundtable.